epic uh, music and arts crew is going to meet today immediately after the service in epic and we'll be getting them uh, food and all the trimmings and all that if you are interested in singing dancing worshiping drumming media production uh i see ron harris back there raising his hands y'all pay him not to come to this okay no <laughs> just kidding just kidding uh we would be blessed to have him anyway if you are one of those people please meet us today uh, we're going to be starting, and not just starting, we already have begun on our production for Easter this year. And speaking of Easter, I, I need to tell you just a couple things before we get in the Word. I really believe that God has, has given a download to us that, for me, I would have to say in the last eight or ten years, I haven't had this kind of a thing happen. And I really, truly believe that what God has given us to, uh, to give to you and others on this Easter this year, which is six weeks from this Sunday, can bless, has the potential of blessing many, 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 many people. I'm so excited about it. I, I dream it, eat it, sleep it. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. I just know that everything we believe as Christians hinges on this, this day, this resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And if we can tell that in such a fashion that the world can understand it, it can definitely change lives forever. And I trust that that's going to happen. Please help me pray about that. Speaking of that, uh, our, it's time to upgrade some equipment around here. We uh, have wonderful arrows, but we have no way to move them, so they just stay going up, and that's really the only way we want them to go is up. However, uh, we need to upgrade and go to the next level in so many areas, but our, uh, our finances here allow us only to keep our budget and uh, take care of budgetary items, so anything above that is the free will gifts and the love and the giving of these people and every one of you. I just want to share today, and I know Pastor will come back next week, but I'm asking, I just had a gift of faith rise up inside of me. I thought, you know, we don't do extra offerings at Triumph very much. We just share the vision, receive offering, and everything comes out of, of uh, our budget. But every once in a while, we, have, we share a, a need or something that needs to take place. And so I want to do that right now with each of you just to put it into your spirit. We, um, we have to upgrade our sound system and our lighting system if we're going to stay consistent with what's happening across the board and what's happening in our other campuses. They are state-of-the-arts, and, and we want to be state-of-the-arts, right? And so uh, we... We need, some, we need to make that happen. And, uh, of course, it takes a little more than what's in our budget. But I, I got to thinking and praying about it over in the morning last night, and I thought, this is so crazy. You know, if we all work together and all do a little bit, we can do that, and it won't be hard at all. And so I know what I'm, uh, the, the numbers that I might say. We usually don't quote numbers in here, but... Since we're not live streaming, this is a family meeting. Let me just say, um, if we were able to 
take care of our new, uh, new lighting board, which we don't have the capability of any movers in here right now. But if we were able to do that, get our new sound system in place, and we were able to upgrade our cafe, not to a full scale, but upgrade it and our children, we could do that if we all worked together. And I, I would love to see that happen before Easter so we could install it and feel like, oh my goodness, we didn't just take a little baby step, we took a leap in every area of our building. And I was, we put some figures to that, and it was about $37,000. And I thought, oh my gosh, how will we do that? And then I thought, that's no big deal. 37 people give $1,000. One person give $37,000. Two people give what? I don't know. Figure it out yourself. One person give five, ten. However, whatever you can do, if you will do that and label it Easter, I am just believing. I have a gift of faith that came on me this morning that that's not hard. I had such a gift of faith. I wrote my first check for it this morning. I'm believing God that we are going to upgrade and the, everything we need in the kingdom is here. Amen? Amen. So thank you for please praying about that. I need somebody to come get this before I forget where I put it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, are you ready for the word? I, um, I'm going to dismiss growth track right now with uh, Pastor Darvin and Stacia, and some of them have already been dismissed. Thank you so much for all of our new members that are becoming members here at Triumph. Give them a hand. And I know we have a bunch of them already over there waiting. I want to welcome our live stream audience right now. Thank you for streaming live with us and coming to us today. We've begun a new series last week. Bishop and Pastor Random began a new series, The Me I Want to Be. Is anybody already there? Are you everything you want to be? Well, I hope that today uh, we're going to give you some insight. I am continuing the series. and. Um, I truly believe that even though it's a very practical teaching, there's always spiritual implication that just empowers you to actually step into that next step God wants you to, to be and do. It's, and if I were to ask you how your life was going today, I would get multiple answers, but I would probably get things like, mm, it's okay, it's going. Or I'll get the spiritual one that says, whoo, I'm blessed and highly favored. And I just want to say, hush. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I do sometimes. Because those, I really know and believe we're blessed and highly favored. But sometimes that just is a rote answer. But if I really were getting, if I were really getting heartfelt answers, I would probably get things like, well, I'm making it. It's okay. I'm still standing, things like that. But, but still, there's something, there are common answers, but they don't have to be. We truly can, without being religious, be blessed and highly favored. Because some, the ones that say that, you just, if you're not feeling it at the moment, you want to say, would you hush? I don't need to hear that. But for those, of, those that are truly getting there, there's something that connects to the spirit and the other person. And you know, they're not just saying it. They are serious. They really are becoming 
what God has called them to be. And they're stepping their life up. You know, Pastor uh, Bishop kicked off last week, and he talked about how that we can succumb to different states, the state that we're in right now, or uh, accept far less than what we really should have. Or I was, I was praying about this last night, and I thought, you know, I get the, I, I, I'm the one that can tell you this from experience. There's always that thing of, well, tomorrow I'm going to really start becoming. Next week, I'm really going to start becoming the me I want to be. Next year, I've messed up this year, but next year I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait till the kids are out. And before you know it, your future has become your now, and you're living in your future right now. And you wake up and say, where did it go? Where did my life go? And so I want us to grasp something today and some things in our spirit. It's important questions that I want to, you to ask yourself, like, are you who you want to be? Who are you trying to be? And have you made the excuse, I'm not doing the best I can because, you know, we have these spiritual powders. You know, my spiritual gift isn't really taking me there. Or we have the martyrdom syndrome. You know, everything's happened to me, poor me, so I just can't make it. I just wasn't able to do it. Well, I bless all the martyrs and martyrs in this place, but really... Let's don't allow that to be an excuse. If you want to know about martyrdom, I can tell you about people who are giving their lives every single day, laying their lives down for the kingdom. And we live in a plush society compared to the rest of the world. There's no excuses for us. And so we today want to ask a deeper question than, do I have the job I want? Do I drive the car I want? Do I have the house I want? Those are important because everything's important to you is important to God. But I want to dig a little deeper today. I want to get a little deeper than those questions. I want to know, am I the me that I really want to be? Am I the me here he is, right here. When Pastor Randon ordered these, I said, Randon, if I'm speaking on this the second week of the series, then I want some girl ones up in here, some pink ones. He said, Mom, that would be wasting money. So, <laughs> so we're just going to have blue ones, the blue men. So ladies, please don't be offended. This is men, women, no gender, okay? This is the I want to be person. This is the blue man or the pink woman, whatever you are. Hopefully, you're one or the other. And uh, so here we go. Turn with me to Proverbs 11:28 in the Message Bible. This is what I love this scripture. It says, a life devoted to things is a dead life. If you're devoted to things, it's a dead life. It's like a stump, but a God-shaped life. I want a God-shaped life. A God-shaped life is like a, a flourishing tree. So when our lives become all about things, then we're dead. Then we're like a stump that our life isn't moving forward. If it's all about things, you will never be what God has called, anointed, appointed, and divinely set and destined for you to be. If you're not growing, if you're not producing fruit in your life, then you are like a stump. You're just dead, but a God-shaped life. How many of you want a God-shaped life? 
that is a life that is a flourishing tree, producing and reproducing. I love Ephesians in the second chapter in the 10th verse in the New Living Translation. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Isn't that awesome? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. No, we don't get salvation because we've done good. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's master, masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Even before we were in our mother's womb, he had a plan for us. And we have to find that plan. It, this, we have to discover that plan. I believe that's why God keeps us seeking after him. Because if he gave it all to us at one time, we'd take it for granted. But every day we're seeking for more of him to find out the plan. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter from what a nation you come from, God has a blueprint for your life. And we want the God that this is the one I want to be. And you'll find out in a minute, the one you want to be is the one God intended for you to be all along. But we got some rivals in there and we'll talk about them. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says this, godly people flourish like leaves in the spring. So when our life is God-shaped, every part of our life is made to flourish despite any circumstances in our life. Do you know that God's version of you is not dull? Some people get that mentality that Christianity, oh, if I really do that, I'm going to be boring and a cookie-cutter Christian that doesn't enjoy life and never makes mistakes. Well, you don't know the Christians I know because these Christians, we make mistakes, just saying. We don't have wings yet. Some of you have a, some sprouting out back there. I know you think you do. But we really don't have wings yet. But there are people who are afraid if they submit to God, they will lose who they are. But really, that's not true. It's right the opposite. You will find who you are when you totally submit to him. God creates people. I love this. So I wrote it down. God creates people. Then, if there's a problem in your life, he rescues his creation. He goes after it. God doesn't throw people or his design away. God is a redeemer and a restorer. He, just because you mess up, he doesn't tear up the blueprint. He has a way of bringing all things together. That scripture I've read and heard my entire life, I've quoted it so many times from Romans, but the thing is, when you really, really experience it, there's a belief that comes up inside of you that overcomes so many things. When you realize the mistakes, the messes, the things I should have done differently, the, the things that the paths that I should have taken, somehow God has a way. Did God cause me to do those things? No. Did God want me to do that like that? No. But God has a way of taking it 
and he uses it and he mixes it and he blends it into his plan and he fixes it and pushes it together in such a way that it becomes this masterpiece that is so much greater than anything we could have dreamed in our best case scenario. God turns worst case scenarios into best case scenarios. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he does? Now, God wants to redeem you, not exchange you. He's into the redemption business. Do I believe in a redeeming God? Yes, I do. Do I believe that the mistakes that I have made are God are ordained? No. But I believe in a redeeming God, and I know God doesn't want to exchange me for somebody else. He wants to redeem me. And redeem means, hey, you get not just your old or the old before the crash, but you get better than, than what you ever. He bought us back. He makes us brand new and even better than we ever, ever thought it could have been. He's not going to take away your personality. Let me go back to that point. When you become the person that you're meant to be, that God wants you to be, that you want to be, and the Christian life becomes a part of your inner being. You do not lose your own personality. God designed us so that as you go after his best version of yourself, you don't become less than, but you become more. You remember people like Peter? Peter, he was an exciting, exhilarating kind of Christian. In fact, he was a little bit of a pop-off and had a hot temper. Y'all remember some of the things he did? Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to point them out too clearly because some of you may think you're him in here. But the, then there was Paul. Paul was passionate. He was unbelievable, committed 100% to killing Christianity, to killing Christians. But God, when he redeemed Paul, when he made himself known to Paul, when he became the man that he was really meant to be, God didn't take away that personality and make him a little pamby, pitiful little person. He used the natural bend, and he just bent it toward the kingdom. He just made that, and he used that personality, and he began to excel in those things. And so Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was just as committed, just as committed, or more so, to bringing people into the life of, of a Jesus follower as he was killing them previously. He was just that committed to it. That same personality, God didn't make him a different personality. He just used it and pointed it in the right direction. Oh God, I, I look at so many singers and I look at people and I see the anointing and uh, that was God-given but then perverted by the enemy. And I think, oh, oh God, just point them toward the kingdom because what could they do? And I want to challenge you in this house today and those watching. If you have been passionate about the things of the world, if you've been passionate about your lifestyle before coming to Christ, at least be that passionate about the, our, our Christianity. At least be that passionate about being a God follower. At least there. That's the bottom line. God will take all of your 
personality and point it toward his kingdom. When I understand that, that God wants the very best for me, then I do believe it makes me want his version of myself now. That's what I want. My kids, you know, I want the very, very best for my kids. I want the very best for my grandkids. I, I coached them. I've nurtured them. I mothered them. I've, had to, I've fathered and mothered them at times when Pastor wasn't there, just saying. But it's all I can do to get them to be everything that they can be and more. But I can only do so much. The truth is, God is the ultimate father. He is our ultimate father. And he is the one that has to take the heart inside of us and make it new. We only can guide and lead and nurture according to God's will. John 10, 10, I love in the New Living Translation. This is something I quote all the time when I ask young people and I ask people, what is your purpose in life? It should be the same purpose that your Christ, your God, that came for you. It should be that same purpose if you are a God follower, if you are a Christ follower. It should be that same purpose. This was his, John 10, 10. For the Son of God came to destroy the works of the enemy, but the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, the New Living Translation says. But all of you have probably quoted it, life more abundantly. Say more abundantly. More abundantly. The me I want to be is the very same me that Jesus is trying to get me to be. Reality is it's just the devil trying to hold me back. I'm not one that wants to give the devil much credit. I want to talk about him and move on, get some awareness out there, and let's move to another subject. I don't want to give him too much credit. But you need to understand we are in warfare. Hey, if you haven't opened up the news lately, oh, my goodness. I, I, I don't know if I, I try my best not keep my head in the sand, but I, I was shocked. I know this is live streaming, and I'll be very, I'll try to be very discreet in what I say. But to think that the witches in this entire nation want to come together to pray against a person and to put curses on a person. Someone, I don't care if you like them or don't like them, we don't curse anybody. No, if you're a Jesus follower, you bless people. You don't curse them. And to think that that is the kind of warfare, hey, this is what they overplayed their hand because the enemy now has told us what he's doing. So now we know how to pray. Would the real intercessor stand up? I, I'm just in shock. I, I, I just cannot believe that the enemy was that stupid that he'd tell us what he's doing. But let me tell you, he misses it quite often. Thank you, Jesus. So let's talk about what he causes and the other people he causes us to be in order to not allow us to be the me I want to be, which is the me that God wants us to be. So the first one I want to talk about is this one. You will relate. There are many people in here that relate to it. Relate to it. Some may never have done this in your life. Please meet me in the foyer and let me hug you and get some of that off on me today because I have succumbed to this one. It's the me I pretend to be. You got a private version and you got a public version. Amen. And the private version 
It's what happens behind the scenes and in your heart. But the public version is the one you show everybody when you come in. And you know it's the one that you want everybody to think you are. Because you feel the need to pretend. And God designed us to be ourselves, not someone. But this is truly the, what, what I see in me. It's transparency that has to take place in your own heart. When your life is over... You know, God is not going to look at you and say, why were you not Peter? Why weren't you Esther? Why weren't you this person or this person? Or why weren't you Bishop? Or why weren't you Joseph Garlington or T.D. Jakes? No, he isn't asking or requiring that of us. He made one blueprint for every single one of us individually. And he gave his life so that we could live it out. Every day. He doesn't want us to pretend. God made you for a specific pur purpose. But when I'm growing toward that purpose, when I'm growing to be the me I want to be, I'm being freed. That's the word I want you to catch. Freed. Because trying to be what you're not is tiring. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, now, my, this, I was not a player. Do not go there. My, I was not. But when, I'll never forget. One time I ended up having three dates in one night. And it was, it was the way it laid out. We were in school. We were in Bible school, for God's sake. Come on. And, uh, you know, I, we went to three different venues. And, and I went to three different venues with three different wonderful gentlemen, that, none of which were pastor and could not even measure up to him, I promise you. However, I remember at the end of that night, I was so exhausted. Because you know when you're dating, you got to be something you're not. You might as well just go ahead and lay it all out there and tell them what you are. Because about two months into the marriage, they're going to know it anyway. Just saying. But you know, when you're, when you're trying to be everything that you, you're that you have put on yourself. You have personally put this on yourself. You're pretending to be this. And so it's, it's, it's this thing that causes such, such weariness on the inside. I don't know why we don't give it up and just be who God intended us to be. And quit trying to fake it. Now, you got to fake some things till you make it. I'm not telling you to always say, oh, I'm horrible, everything's down. No, we got to speak things that are not as though they were. That's the balance. But at the same time, don't pretend to be somebody that we're not. It's very exhausting. The free thing, having to be free. But it's, uh, being allowed to be free is making sure that I'm honest with myself. I'm not pretending. I am honest. And the same person you get at home is the same person you get up here. Now, there are a few differences. I won't tell. Just, just being real, there are a few things that I wouldn't say here. But for the most part, it's the same at home and here. So you don't pretend and you don't want to be that person. I, you know, I just, I uh, don't be fake when you come to Triumph Church. I don't want this church to ever be known as fake. I want people to say they're the real deal over there. They are who they say they are. And when you know that person, you know that's, you don't get this facade. You don't get that. Don't try to pretend with God because it's not working. He already knows who we are. He gets it. If I'm ever going to become the me I want to be, I have to start by being honest with the me that I really am.
And I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself about the me that you really are. Then there's this one. Because the devil really works on a lot of us with this one. This is the me that I should be. That I think I should be. That I've already got built up in my head that I should be this. It's called the me of comparison. Mm -hmm. Y'all ever been there? Uh, it's comparison that kills spiritual growth. We are over and over in scripture. Uh, we are reprimanded not to compare yourself with others because you don't have the same gifts. You don't have the same equipment. You don't have the same personality. You don't have the same gift mix and talent as this other one. So if this other one, this is required of them, something else may be required of this one. But we try to compare and we feel like we should be all of that in a bag of chips and a Dr. Pepper and some cookies on the side. When God wants us to be what he has chosen us to be. I honor and I value so many things in life. For instance, my mother, who is 88 years old, is one of the greatest intercessors on the earth that I know today. She's the real deal. If you want somebody praying for you, I'm not talking about praying a prayer as you're driving down the road, and I believe those work because I use them on a regular basis, and my family says they do. They said that I have gotten all of heaven's angels that guard my car, and I believe that I, I do have them, and if you need one of them, you're going to have to really ask hard because I got them, off, I got them on duty on, on me. But I, I, I do pray. I do pray continually, and I've learned how to pray in the Spirit. But I don't take the hours that my mother does, and she doesn't just pray in the car. She gets on her face, on her knees, lays flat on the floor, and she and my father will pray for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I used to be so, oh, I had to be like that. I should be that when I didn't really have that gift. You know, I do have a gift to pray. I do have a gift of intercession, but not like my mother. Some of you, you know, in pastoring a church for years, I study churches and I study, study leadership and I study preachers and pastors. And it's an easy trap to fall into in your life. And you feel like, oh, well, I should be like that. I should be like this. I should be like this. And for a long time leading Triumph, I, I wanted I felt like I needed to be somebody else. Or maybe I felt like I needed to be all of the above all the time. When I really, really had to step back and realize God had purposed my life. And he's purposed your life. And it shouldn't be the person that you think you should be. You need to be the person that God created you to be. Not the person you think that you should be. I, I know that I thought I should be responsible for everyone. Oh, my Lord Jesus, you know, I got to make everybody happy. And if everybody's hurting, then I got to be there for them. That's because that's what I should be. That's what a good pastor's wife does. And she's always, she's at every funeral, every, every single shower, every single this, every single that. You try doing that with five campuses and tell me if you're a superwoman or not. And so I was, I'm, I'm going through all these things. And because I'm a people person anyway and a mercy-driven person, I don't want anybody to hurt. And I want everybody, and I think I've got to fix them. And so here's the deal. After a while, it becomes about you. Now I'm being transparent. 
because the bottom line is, you did it. Look, I was able to do all that. No, it's not about us. We are not responsible, and he isn't going to ask us anything about any of that. What he's going to ask us is, did you do what I told you to do? Did you do what I, the things that I said? You know, I, at the, the, the truth is, my giftings are different than pastors. The, you know, my giftings and his giftings are so different. And that's why we come together and God makes us one so well. Because he's apostolic. He's structural. He's fathering. He has people that he loves deeply. He loves to. And he doesn't get to see them all the time. But he just will send them a little text here and there. It's just a few people like that. But I watch him do it. And I, I see the, the love in his heart as he, he's pastoring and he's fathering people. That's a gift inside of him. And let me tell you, if you have the privilege to have him as your spiritual father, you are blessed because I have had the privilege of seeing multiple pastors in years and they don't all carry that heart within them. He's, he's an amazing man. Don't tell him I said that. I'm just telling you. Uh, I, well, maybe you should tell him. I might need some points. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, he, he, but here's the deal. He's structured. He's apostolic. He wants things in order. That's why when we had an audit recently, they, they came back with no recommendations. They couldn't believe how clean, because he's just orderly. He goes to lunch at 12 o'clock, whether you're ready or not. And bless God, I'm telling you, it don't matter if we're in the middle of a meeting, and if there's just fire come down out of heaven and, and consumed what's on the table, he's getting up and he's gone. He's out of here at 12 o'clock because that's his body clock and he's structured. Me, I'm prophetic. I'm not pathetic. I'm prophetic. I'm a little the other way. You know, I'm spontaneous. I may go to lunch. I may not go to lunch for two weeks. I may go to lunch at 5 o'clock. Just whatever I'm feeling at the time, you know. But the thing is, he needs me and I need him. More importantly, the body of Christ didn't need two of him like that. They needed one like him and one like me. They need one like you and one like you and one like you and one like you and two like you. And uh, nobody is alike. Just kidding. But that's the me that, that we think we should be. And God does not want us to be what we think we should be. I want to free myself. And I want to free you today from being what you think you should be. And release myself to be God-designed and gifted. And do the, be what God's called me to be. Number three. This one. That's the one I put this on myself. That's what I should be. Because I've seen it and I've watched and I've looked. And that's what they do. So that's what I should do. This one is what others put on you. This is the me others think you should be. Not what you think you should be. Oh, the devil will trip you up on this. Because if you have a, a status quo, or if you have something attached to your name, like a, a, a singer, or an athlete, or a pastor, or some or a doctor, or an attorney, or some type of profession, then others Attach these things to you and bless God. That's what you should be. Now, there are some things that are right. There are some uh, things that are principles that, of course, go along with the occupation that God has placed in your heart. However, there are other things that other people put on you that are not God-driven. 
They are not God speaking them at all. We are that, you know, I, I looked at my life and I was just thinking of all the things just in a one hour on a television of the different things that people expect me to be. The health club comes on and bless God. If I am not working out, ooh, where's Tanya? Is she in the building? Tanya, I'm going to start working out. I'm, I, I am. I'm, I'm going to get a new life. But I'm telling you, you got the health people over here, the workouters. And if you're not doing this, and then if you've got your medical field, and if you hadn't gotten all of these checkups every week, every month, then bless God, you are not being what you... Uh, that I think you should be. And then you've got the restaurateurs. And they think that if you haven't tried this latest, greatest food, then you don't know what's good. And you have no connoisseur, or you have no, uh, you have no taste. You're not classy at all. Then you've got the fashionistas. And if you don't do it just like they do it, bless God, if you aren't just... By the time you get through the list of all of what the others think you should be, there ain't nothing left of you. You might as well go home, baby, and get up under the cover because you are not what others want you or expect you to be. If I spend all my time doing that, there's nothing left, and I will not flourish because the Word says if I'm seeking after things, yes, all of those are good. Every single one of them are. I, I look at my kids, you know, and it's all about right now, ball. It's all about every, every place they go. I can't even keep up with it, what they're doing. But at the end of the day, and then the school is demanding education. And if you don't do this and make this on this test, by the end, I don't know how our kids without God in their life are going to ever find who God intended them to be. And that's what we're after. Lord, let us be what you intended us to be, not what others. Even you can't tell yourself exactly how to change. Even you can't tell yourself that. You can't tell yourself there's a good chance you need to change, but I know that all of us do. But you can't tell yourself how to change without God because you didn't create yourself. God did. And he's the only one that can tell us what we need to change and to get us balanced in our lives. But I have made a decision that, yes, I do care what people think, I'm not going to be that person. I don't care what anybody says. I'd be lying. I do. But at the end of the day, I care more about what he thinks and what he says than anything else. And I loved Romans 8, 28. Hey, and we know that in all things, God works good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Put this verse in its context. We're his masterpiece. We're created or called with his purpose. And God is at work every moment of the day and the night to help you become the best version of yourself. God is trying and doing everything he can. So I want you to say this with me and let's agree. God is working to help me be the best me I can be. Not the one I pretend to be. Not the one I think I should be. Not the one that others think I should be. Then I want to talk about this one. This one's the one I'm afraid to be. I'm afraid to be this one, and I will hurry. Here's the deal. We have this thought in our lives so many times. It's, this one is somewhat burst out of legalism. I can testify to this one directly because somehow we get it mixed up with the law 
and the rule followers. Now, I wasn't a total rule follower growing up in school, but I raised kids, my first two anyway. <laughs> they were, uh, Randon and Kara, Hannah came along, and she, was, she just did kind of her own thing and made them up as she went. But Randon and Kara, if I told them to stand in the corner, they'd still be standing there 20 years later if I didn't go back and get them out because they just had it to be rule followers. But somewhere along the line, they begin to change that and see that there is obedience. But when you apply that in every area of your life, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. And somehow, we're afraid. We're afraid that if we don't do it just like this and follow every single rule, and if I don't pray 24 uh, hours today and 12 tomorrow, and if I don't fast here and do this just like this, then I am going to be, I'm going to be cast aside. I will never be anything in the kingdom. And that is a spirit that the enemy puts on us that will destroy your life. I can tell you, I do believe that we need principles like we've never had them. We need a compass that's morally pure in our lives. But at the same time, if it's all about because of what somebody's going to do if I don't, or God's going to kill me, or I won't get the desired result, then we miss out on the pleasure of being who God created us to be. Galatians 3.12 says this, Rule keeping does not naturally involve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. A fact observed in scripture the one who does these things rule keeping continues to live by the law or by the rule keeping but their heart never engages and i just want to tell you that rule keeping doesn't make you spiritual or a better better christian even if you're doing the right rules look at the pharisees they were masters at doing but it's a religious spirit that can attach itself. Now, please don't get me wrong, because I'm getting on this other side and minister about the lack of principles and all of those things in our life as well. But right now, I just want to tell you, the enemy will put condemnation on you. He will tell you you're nothing, you can't be, and you'll be so afraid till you'll try to do the right thing out of fear. And fear is torment. If you start it that way, you'll end it that way. I can remember, you know, and the thing about legalism, it always finds a little loophole somewhere. You ever seen those attorneys? You know, they find a, a legal loophole. Well, we used to find them in the legal environment I was born in, too. You know, we weren't able to cut our hair. It was our glory. And by the time you got to be a teenager, you felt like you needed the ends cut off just a little bit. But I was a rule follower for these purposes. Not necessarily all things, but those I was. I did all of that, and I, I never... But others found a loophole because the people would teach that you cannot cut with scissors your hair. So they'd get it caught in the fan, and they'd get gum in it. and they uh, Seriously, I mean crazy stuff. They do, they do everything so they could have to find a loophole that they didn't really cut their hair. It just got this way. Come on. We know. You know, there is always a loophole somewhere that you can find, but never does it engage your heart. He's after our heart, and he's not after us living for him out of fear because that will never make us 
who he's intended us to be. I'm ending with this right now. This one is, is uh, somewhat a new language for me. It isn't the language that I haven't known my whole life, that yes, the enemy wants to tell us that we've failed and it's over and it will never happen. We have missed our opportunity. We've missed our time. We're not ever going to become the daddy we should become. I don't care if you're 65, 85 and you still have sons. If you need to mend relationships, do it now. Don't ever give up on relationships like that. And, and so I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that the enemy will use those things. If you've been in a marriage that you haven't done everything right, don't let the devil beat you up and say, well, you've been a failure, and so you, there's no need to try now. You'll never make, get it right. That's a lie. But that's not really what I wanted to tell you about because there's something that came to me, and uh, I found out some new language that I really didn't know. Many of you in here will probably know this, but having had a, a, a brand new grandbaby, it's this FTT. Do y'all know what that is? Oh, good. I'm going to get to teach you. Okay. It's failure to thrive. It's in infants. And it's for unknown reasons, most probably, but they do use things like, it could be, they say, due to depression, of, of the caregiver, and it, is, it has transferred to the child, the infant. It could be something that's off in the metabolism, but it really, really, they really don't know. Recently, psychologists have begun to speak of what is perhaps the largest now mental health problem in our day, in this generation, in this culture. This is what it is. You're going to go home, learn something today. It's called languishing. Languishing. It's failure to thrive. Somehow, there's this languishing. It's the condition of someone, they say, who may be able to function, but has lost a sense of hope and meaning. They're just existing in life, but they're really languishing. That is one that the enemy wants to destroy a generation with right now. I know that we have a millennial generation that many people have prophesied over them and spoken things over them that I never want spoken in this house. This generation is going to thrive. This generation is going to be pure. This generation, yes, they have deficits, some of which the previous generation has put inside of them because the sins of the parents are carried down the third and fourth generations. However, some of it is just what is happening in the demonic spirits that are active in the world. But this generation will thrive. They will have a heart after God. They will rise up and carry the torch. They will be the latter rain that's greater than the former rain in Jesus' name. However, you know what? In the ancient days, uh, in, the, in the Bible included, the list of deadly sins is called acedia. Acedia, and this is what acedia means, weariness of soul and inability to delight in life. Have you ever known someone like that? They just fail to thrive. They just fail to be, delight in life. They're in a dead-end job, and they're always going to be in a dead-end job. They're in a dead marriage, and they're just going to carry it out because that's just what they can't grow. Remember what we said at the beginning? God wanted us to be like a tree that's continually producing fruit, not a stump that's dead, 
but something that has life in it. And, and, this, and uh, I read this thing by David Thoreau, who I love to read by. He said, when I came to die, and in quotes and in parentheses, I would discover that I had not lived. Oh, don't spend your life dead. You have been given life and life more abundantly. Life after life after life. The life-giving source is inside of us to make us the me we want to be. And we don't have to deal with this languishing thing. God can deal with that through us and even today. You may have given up on past failures, but I'm telling you, you do not have to be one of those that says, because of failing, I'm just not producing. I never will. I never have. I never will be. And I want to break that curse off of you right now because I can tell you that in this house, at Triumph Church, we're going to be like a tree that's planted by the waters that has a root system in it and has leaves that spring forth with produce, with fruit. You want fruit in your life. Look at the fruit in your life and see if you see things that God is doing in you and has done through you. If you find something that makes you feel good because at the end of the day you did something great and it made you feel so good, then bless God, find a way to do that more often because that God wants you to produce fruit. He does not want us to be those that fail and we will not be languishers. Would you stand with me, please? There are five, six versions of you. The version you want to be, the version you pretend to be, the version you should be, you think. The version others think you should be. The version you're afraid to be. Because if you, are, if you don't, then you're going to get sent overseas to do something you didn't want to do. Not going to happen. Not in, on God's watch. And then there's the one that has languishing issues. They just fail to produce in life. They can't find out maybe even the source or the, where it's coming from. But I tell you, it's coming not from Christ. It's not coming from the throne room of God. It's coming from the demonic one that is out to kill, steal, and destroy every one of us. Our credibility, every bit of the joy in our life. He wants to break that. And I want to break that off of him right now. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if you want to come into agreement with me right now, we're going to do it. If you want to join hands with somebody, there's power in agreement. If you don't feel like joining hands with someone next to you, don't do it. I'm just saying, find some agreement in your spirit. And I'm going to believe, first of all, I feel very strongly that I am supposed to break any kind of curses, any kind of thing that the enemy has put in your heart that says you're never going to thrive. You don't even know why. Much of it, some of it, could have come down through generations. Some of it, they can't even find in a baby the cause. There was nothing wrong with their heart. There was nothing wrong with their lungs. There was nothing wrong with any of their limbs. Nothing wrong with their brain, but somehow it just does not grow. It just does not thrive. It just does not produce any fruit. And I come against that spirit over every person in this house today. Father, we declare that we will be the version that you have called us to be. 
We will be the me that you want us to be. And we break that off the people of God. That spirit of failure. That spirit of failing. That spirit that wants us not to thrive. That spirit that causes us to stay dead in our hearts. To stay dead in our spirit. I speak life to every spirit in this house. I speak life to everyone watching online right now. I declare that the Holy Spirit is coming alive in you now. No weapon of failure, no weapon of languishing will be able to be used against you in Jesus' name. I thank you, my Father. We thank you. Our prayer partners are coming quickly. To all of those that are standing in here today and saying, I just need Jesus. I need Him to be the source. Then we never want to leave without offering that opportunity to you today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. To be a Christ follower, not a person follower, but a Christ follower. If you're one of those, we're going to give you that chance in a moment. But if you're one of those people that said, hey, I, I really truly have to be honest with myself. I've been pretending to be things I'm not. And I'm tired and I'm weary in my spirit. I don't want to fight that anymore. This is your day. You don't have to live being the person you think you should be. You can be free from that. And let God establish who He's divinely called you to be. You cannot have to be the one that people keep pulling at you till there's nothing left because you're trying to please everybody and everything. At some point, it's about Him. And then again, the afraid, the legalism that may need to be broken off of you. It may be from years ago. It may be from way, way back and you're still dealing with some leftover. Today's your day. I'm going to pray over you, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to please just step out from where you are and just come down. Let someone come into agreement with you and we're going to become the me I want to be. The me I've always wanted to be, it's still time. Father, thank you for these people in this house. Thank you, Lord, for your word, that we can line up our lives with your word, that you are the great balancing act. You are our source. And Lord, we don't look to others to be our cheering section. We don't look to others to be what we need to be. But we know that you have our only blueprint. It's in your safe place. It's in your safe place. And I thank you today, Father, that these wonderful people are going to rise up and be what you have called us to be. And we thank you for that individually. Because if individually we are what you are wanting us to be, then collectively as a body, we will grow. We will spiritually be and produce what you have called us to be. I thank you for this house. I thank you for the people. Bless them this week. In Jesus' name, let your faith shine upon them and give them peace everywhere. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday evening, all week, at Lifetime, at Life Team. The altars are open. If you want prayer for anything, we're here for you. God bless you.